Um, did you did you watch that video of the Rembrandts? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Funny? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that is a thing that existed. The friends are on their music video set making mischief. Can't trust those friends. <laughs> goes and we're in it we're in it with friendsmen baby jp's here nate's here jp how you doing you know nate i'm doing all right that's great dude yeah that's great to hear. how are you doing i'm doing good i'm doing good do you want to ask that again the way that we ask it i'm sorry <laughs> hey nate how you doing that's better that's better i feel objectified there you go um jp yes sir we got a huge huge episode to we talk do about. we this do this is an important episode in my opinion um do you remember what the title of the episode is because i did not write that down uh nate this is the one where nana dies the twice. one where nana dies twice it's freaky as hell dude okay let's let's get started talking about it so we we meet a friends care we meet several friends characters in this episode that are never going to come back again in friends they're just gone <laughs> forever um and that may actually play into something that i want to talk about later but chandler's co-worker shelly she might be pregnant she might just be wearing a 90s shirt i'm not really sure um she's trying to set him up on a date and then it's revealed that she's trying to set him up on a date with a man this is, in fact, what happens. And we, we come to learn as, as Chandler goes home and uh, eats Chinese food with the friends using really cool chopstick forks. Did you see those? I didn't notice that, no. They're chopsticks, but they've got forks and spoons on the back of them, like where the, the top. <laughs> and it was either... Like a regular like uh, takeout utensil that just Chinese food places gave you in New York, or it was some sort of product placement. I want to figure that out. I mean, they didn't mention the name of it, so and there was no brand. They were very cool, but okay, we come to find out mm-hmm. that Chandler seems gay to a lot of people. Now, Nate, what is it about Chandler that? Seems gay. It just has a certain quality, dude. <laughs> oh, man. We're just diving in, huh? We're diving straight in because he's All got right. quality. And, and, and who knows what it is? Who knows what it is? Um, but, you know, to talk about this episode, I really feel like, um, you know, I, I can't remember if I edited it out of the last episode, but we both read a pretty damning article about a Me Too lawsuit um, involved with uh, the Friends writers, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, we, did, we, haven't, we haven't addressed it. We mentioned briefly in previous episodes, and, yeah. and we, we're going to talk about it at length. We're doing a little bit more investigation to get some more facts. But, yeah, no, there's some problematic things surrounding, not, not in talking about culturally, not talking about of an era, there is a problematic thing where the Friends show was written mostly, almost exclusively, by uh, white men and white people in general. And also white people who had become 
extremely successful in their field and were probably quite literally untouchable at that point. And that's not a good thing. And it, it breeds, it breeds um, bad environments for people to work in. Now, Nate, right? why, do you, why do you bring this up now? So anyway, I just want to bring it up because this is um, the first Friends episode where gentle 90s homophobia rears its ugly head. And it really does in a real way. And, and it, was, it was a little bit shocking to watch this episode. But ultimately, at the end of the episode, I liked it. And I want to I want to talk about that. And I want to talk I, about why. I, I, I we we will get into all this. I will yeah. tell you, this is the first episode I watched where I walked away from it feeling like didn't care for that. Yeah, yeah. I, and it, I think that's fine. You know what I mean? Like there there's some stuff in here that rubs you the wrong way because it was acceptable. Right? Yeah, I. I think that, and again, we'll get into the minutia of it, but I think that, that yes, that, that exists perpetually with this show. We're yeah. watching this yeah, through yeah, a 20-year yeah. time capsule. Like, it, it, it's, there's always going to be some things, but I think that this, my feeling on this episode was they tried to make a joke out of a thing they tried to walk a really careful line about it and, and, and maybe, and, and honestly, I bet this was really progressive at the time. Yes. That's but at something the same we time, need to talk about. But at the same time, I just, they didn't treat it like a story point. They treated it like an ongoing joke conversation throughout the episode. And yeah. I think that that really rubbed me the wrong way. Yes. And, and let me let me just to go off of what you're saying about what rubs me the wrong way about this episode is that it it it's it's not that we don't even talk about why Chandler wouldn't want to be seen as gay. It's just the way it is. And 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 that is truly unacceptable. Um, I, I wanted to talk about this episode on both ends of the spectrum in the sense that um, a show that makes fun of um, the marginal, marginalized portions of society should never be glorified, okay? But there is a very real part of this episode where we are making fun of a man who's worried about being gay. And I think that that is very funny. Yeah, I... I enjoyed Chandler worrying about being seen as gay and, and trying to figure out why people thought that and also walking that fine line of like, well, it's, but that's where it breaks down because like they don't explore why it's a negative thing in this. And, and, and I would even go so far as to say Chandler isn't necessarily even in no way does he express that it's a negative thing. Yes. He's expressing that it isn't him and he wants to understand what it is about him that makes people assume that that's true. That's true. Which is for a very neurotic person, a very real everyday thing where that some person, someone else's view of you 
becomes the most important thing and yeah. you just have to solve it. And so like if you back away from the microphone, just kidding. <laughs> if you back away from the narrative and you and you take those couple of steps back, you can see what's actually a funny sitcom scenario. It's a yeah. well-crafted sitcom scenario. It's just that the framework of that joke, I can't, I, I, I just, yes. it's really, I, I can't dismiss it. I can't and, and dismiss it. And what you said before is, is, is important too. At the time, having this, this plot on television is a victory because one of the most powerful ways that we can use comedy is to normalize things. In very real ways. And not friends only normalize, did that. Not only normalize, it, to make the bad point of view the butt of the joke. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing, and we can't forget that. Um, I also think that the end of the episode, and, and we'll, we're going to go back and talk about everything, but the end of the episode plays a very important part of this discussion, too, specifically... The gay person that they show on screen. All right. We're going to have differing views on that then. Okay. I, I, he literally says the phrase, speaking for my people. But he's being sarcastic. Is he, though? He I don't is. Know. He is. He's saying it. He's saying it to Chandler because he's like, you can't come to me and assume that I speak forever. Well, like that is that is why I, he's saying. I, I totally interpreted it differently. I okay. think what he's saying is, "Hey, I could be wrong I, too." I have Gadar, and uh, I can tell you, me and all of my people would never believe that you were gay. Sure. And and again, it's a it's a it's a joke, but it is a joke where I see your perspective on it. I do from from how I viewed it. It was it was an attempt at I, as if as if as if the gay communities in the world are of a hive mind. Like so, I agree with you, JPB, because he does. After he says speaking for my people, he does make a honest point addressing Chandler's concern that you know none of us think you're gay. And, and I guess he is speaking for all of us, but I, 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 I have always took the speaking for my people joke as being sarcastic, just generally. And then what I wanted to talk to you about, but I, but I agree with you that, that it is, it is a strange line, especially because of what we're, well, I, I don't know. The show's from the nineties. It's not as woke as we are now. But anyway, what I wanted to talk about, about that character and I'm willing to admit that I'm totally wrong about this, too, because... Oh, buddy, there's, it's art. It's subjective. Oh, there's no, no, I'm right not even wrong. talking about you. I'm talking about people who listen, who maybe actually are gay and would have an opinion on this. I enjoyed how normal they made Chandler's gay co-worker look. I will give you that. I, I will give you that. And, and the, two, uh, the two gay co-workers that we experience at the end of the episode... And we see Brian after that. ...are both that. just regular-ass people. Yes, He's wearing like he's wearing like a, a sweater vest and a blazer and a tie. He looks very normal. I noticed this time that he does have an earring, and it, it felt like a very a very uh, costume designer choice. I didn't even notice that, but it's a small, small like gold earring in his ear, and like 
I would be interested to know what what someone who's actually gay thinks about the portrayal of that character because I initially thought oh well he looks he looks super normal that's 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 good um and I, I thought it was good that him and Chandler have that conversation and we finally do make Chandler the butt of the joke in a very real sense um and then he also embarrasses himself in front of Brian which is pretty funny that was very funny yeah but yeah, I mean, right, maybe I, we're not the two people to comment on the appropriateness of this episode, but I'm 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 very interested to hear what people think about it. I I, I agree with you. I, I I think that there are probably others who can chime in and hopefully people will respond either on the Friendsman Pod uh uh Twitter account or just directly to Nate and I. Absolutely. Um cuz I really I I'd love to talk about this. I I will say Back away, uh, JP. Back away from me. <laughs> I'm so far from my mic right now. It's so loud, dude. <laughs> it's okay. It's not. It's okay. It's no, totally No, I'm fun. sorry. Yeah, go. Go off. I, I, I would love to hear what people have to say. Um, yeah. And, and, and for my part, I, I just in the end had so many problems with it and, yeah. and not to be too heavy handed about it, but the, 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 the gay character appearing at the end and giving us closure and absolution was yeah. very much a deus ex machina to me. Yeah. And I just, I hate that. And I think it's a cheap trick and it's a bad writing tool. Okay. And, and I just, I didn't like it. I, and that's I, good to say, dude, because because I wanted to talk about this from both ends of it, to, from and I'm very much absolving it because when I walked away from it, I did enjoy it, but I, I think it's important to look at it from a critical standpoint as well. Well, let's let's talk about the episode as whole, well, and, and and maybe when we get some laughs in us, we'll uh, we'll grow from it. Ross and Monica's nana is in the hospital. Woof. <laughs> and they gotta go down there. And the first appearance of Mr. and Mrs. Geller. Okay. First appearance of Mrs. Geller, but more importantly, first appearance of Elliot Gould. Hachi, in a machi. goddamn, and if you were, if you were cool in the, in the 90s like I was, that sweater thing that he's wearing is straight out of structure, which no longer exists. Wow. He's got that hot structure fit, and he is a stone-cold fox. And JP, it's not actually a sweater. It is a long-sleeve polo shirt that has a sweater pattern on it. That's That was structure's whole thing. Per- great. Yeah, perfect. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and it is tucked into very high-waisted black jeans mm-hmm. with a braided black belt. That was the times. He's got this curly hair that, like, uh, whoa, dude. And, like, the streaks of gray in it is, and, not, you know, going forward in this episode, Mr. Geller kills it, dude. dude. He is so funny. I don't, I don't, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but Jack Geller, friend of the episode. Yeah, dude. Like, I, he was so funny. Elliot Gould is just a gift. He's the just a gift. Fucking man, And dude. also, like, when I was a kid watching this show, he looked like a dad. And now that yes. I'm an older person, I'm like, dude, that guy was... that. He still had it. He so, still had it. 
I think his appearance changes dramatically the next time we see him because I think I think what you're picturing is very much part of Renz. He gets he gets bigger. I, I guess essentially. I don't want to shame the man. He still looks okay, fantastic. How but... dare you? I wear my weight well. <laughs> But he looked great in this episode. He did. He did. I actually, I, I actually, because I do recall what he looks like in the other episodes. And he just, this was a surprising, like, again, it's, it's funny because, like, Claire will tell me about, like, growing up, her dad would show her his Criterion collection of yes. movies. And Elliot Gould was featured. And it's this thing where Elliot Gould was in the 60s and 70s actually like a sex symbol. Yep. And you don't, for me growing up, that Elliot Gould was, I don't know, Rachel and Ross's, Ross I'm and sorry, Ross and, Ross, and, Ross and Monica's dad, sorry. Ross and Monica's dad. Um, like, it just didn't occur to me, but I yeah. saw those hints of it in this episode. He was, he was just charm, through and through. And then now, in the fucking, the next scene with him, he's wearing, like, a black-on-black shirt and suit, <laughs> and, like, sipping scotch whiskey, and talking to Monica with, like... The comedy he's doing there is like Rob Reiner, like Mel Gibson, Carl Reiner level genius about how like everybody thinks they know me. Maybe when I'm buried at sea, they'll be like, oh, that's that's pretty interesting. Oh, my God. (laughs) I I wrote down that was one of my favorite lines of the episode. By the way, Carl Reiner. R.I.P. Carl Reiner. R.I.P. Lost a great one. Uh... (laughs) You'll make a day of it. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> okay, um, so so I have to say, so 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 they go in. Nana is dead, except she's not. And when Ross leans well, in for I a kiss, well, I think she does die. Oh my god! But when Ross leans in for the kiss, and yeah. then she dies. Oh my god, that's brutal. I would I would carry that, but but the. They come oh my back god, out. that would that would scar you for the rest of your life, dude. Like I I would never be able to kiss anyone again. Like But but this is this is why Elliot Gould was was the best part of this episode. So then then the aunt shows up and and uh Elliot Gould says, Well, she may have died. <laughs> and Ross comes out and says, She died, and Elliot Gould says this almost never happens. <laughs> a belly laugh. It was a belly laugh. That joke resonates. It was so just a classic. Um, so, yeah. Ross and Monica's Nana dies twice. Um, they, uh, we, we, we should probably fix, shift, uh, shift focus here to um, maybe talk about Monica's mom a little bit. Who, first of all, hot as hell. Monica's mother is very critical of her, right, JP? I didn't really notice that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that, that, that relationship is one that it knows no gender. It knows no yeah. racial background. I think that the um, parents archetype... and children, or mother and daughter. What do you mean specifically? I, I, I think that the archetype of a critical parent sure. who doesn't understand 
that the way in which they think they're being helpful yeah. is damaging their child through quite, this form of criticism. I, I, I think that it, it, it's just a universal. Quite literally what I wrote down. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, man, I, I, I certainly, you know, I don't get it from my own mother okay. um, through the dynamics of both of my parents, like at some point in my life establishing, like, I don't consider you a parent. Right. But we can be friends. And I have a great dynamic with my mother and with my father. I love them dearly, but it's not like this. But I see the way my mother has dealt with my brothers and I see the way my dad has dealt with my brothers. And so this resonates with me because I, I'm, I'm always the, the phone call afterwards where it's like, they said this and they think that, and oh my God, they're so horrible to me. And like, yeah, it's a very relatable story. You know, JP, I have, I have a, I, I thought the same thing watching this and when I was watching towards the end when Monica is trying to like gently confront her mother about how critical she's being by, by putting herself in, in her mother's shoes and everything like that, started thinking about, I, I feel um, like I have kind of a critical relationship with, from my dad. And, um, we have a pretty good relationship going, going now. And we actually work together too. And, um, it's been a lot of work to get it that way too. And when Monica was, was talking to her mom about it and then I realized, oh, Monica's mom doesn't even know what she's doing. So that scene towards the end of the episode, but that scene where, Monica's mom says, oh, God, she would hate this funeral. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and if the flowers weren't expensive enough, she'd say, why wasn't I worth it? And if yeah. I got the more expensive flowers, she'd say, why would you waste that money? And, and you see Monica thinking like, wait, maybe here's where I can bridge this. Yeah. What would you, well, if you had the chance, would you say it? Like, wouldn't that make everything different? And you're really like emotionally connecting here. And then mom's like, no, I would never do that. I don't think I would. (laughs) And it's, it's, but like that scene was so poignant and so relatable. Now they resolved the scene really well where mom leans in and, 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 and she, you see the look in her eyes. She does this facial expression. She knows what Monica was getting at, even though she doesn't want to address mm-hmm. it because isn't it better when we all just get along? It is. But like that's, <laughs> that, that scene was beautiful and powerful and actually, yeah. you know, you, the show trades on comedy beats almost, almost as much as it trades on emotional moments. And yeah. that was a really good, powerful moment. And it makes you love both of the characters. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's kind of crazy that this was, the parents' first episode, and we're like, we're like already a hundred percent in on them. They're like so great. Yeah, Ellie Gould is a hottie. You're right. <laughs> well, so so while that's going on, we also have there are other storylines, including um, at one point. I want to jump to this because yeah, I, it was one of my favorite moments of the episode. Um, it was transitioning from the hospital back to Central Perk. And first of all, the interstitial music was a complete ripoff of the bass line of Roxanne. And I was, really? I was so angry. 
I didn't they, notice that. That's they awesome. were still figured last last week was the acapella bullshit in yep. between. This week they were doing like a baseline Roxanne ripoff. But um we we get to it, it Chandler and Phoebe while they're at first talking about whatever it is that makes him seem gay. Um they start talking about death and and Phoebe's talking about how uh her mom died, but her mom is always just like right there and then like <laughs> mimes that her mom is between her and Chandler and Chandler freaks the Chandler fuck gets out. All freaked out. It was really great. <laughs> yeah. And then Phoebe had my my second favorite line in the episode. Rachel gives her the pencil because she's talking about her friend that died in third grade or something and the it was a on a miniature golf course, so the little pencils always remind her of the friend and so 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 Rachel gives her the pencil and then at one point Phoebe turns back to Rachel and is like this pencil is not Debbie. And I, I, it was another, like, I lost it. That was just a beautiful moment in the episode. Yeah, I like it when Phoebe freaks everyone out. That's always great. Now, do you recall what Ross was doing before the funeral? No. What was he doing before the funeral? Oh, he's, um, he's helping his mom and his aunt, who we never see again, pick out clothes for, for his grandma, for his nana. Yes. And they make a lot of attempts at Ross physical comedy. And look... Yep. I'm a raw stan. I've said it the whole time. I do not apologize for it, even though some of you out there are saying that Ross is a simp. Wow, that was my friend, Joey, uh, my friend from high school. He's, his name is actually Joey. Yeah, how's he doing? Joey's doing good. Um, I thought it was a very astute observation from Joey. No, I totally agree. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm just fucking around. You're just Ross, fucking with him. First season, Ross is absolutely simping. I, there's, there's no ifs, ends, or buts about it. Right. But they also know David Schwimmer is good at physical comedy. Now, I think he was not good in the physical comedy here. In this, he climbs over a dresser to get into a closet. Being stuck so in the closet can, bit. He can find dresses for, that. Is, that is, he, they can dress Nana in for her coffin. And also shoes. And they even did a bit of like, oh, I've got another pair in the back. Which is a joke <laughs> that only resonates if you went to shoe stores in the 90s. Like, it's just not the world we live in anymore. <laughs> um, so, and the scene, and then, and I'm like a little bit groaning. And Claire's like, no, no, no. This scene gets really sentimental. Oh, no. <laughs> Just give it a moment. And I'm like, oh, okay, I trust the show. And then the sentimental moment was Ross looking for shoes, knocked a box over, and then inside of it were little pink-wrapped things. Now, look, I know there's a correct answer, but let me say this. And then it continues with he reaches up above, and then all of a sudden he's getting showered with what I have decided were pink condoms just showered oh, with pink condoms that's what it was jp they're splenda packets they are condoms you keep ross's nana's name out your mouth that <laughs> way jp i think sweet and low not splenda sweet and low splenda's yellow no you're right they were condoms they were condoms right so nana was boning down hardcore before she died and ross is just getting sprayed with all of her unopened condoms yeah 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 it, it, it really is Really is un- unreasonable how many packets are falling on them and how like, spread out they are. Oh my across. god! There were absolutely three 
Tex up above raining yeah. raining those packets down on him. And meanwhile, and then he just kind of does an all shucks and then grins while more condoms rain down on him. Like it's it almost was... it's almost like he like punched out like a fake wall in the ceiling. <laughs> like... <laughs> he punched into Scrooge McDuck's money bin full of uh, sweet and lows. It was it was it, I, it was going for something sentimental. It did not resonate with me at all. No, it didn't it work on so me either. Fucking dumb. And I remember, I remember never thinking that that was very good when I was watching this, like when it was on or, or years ago and everything. That that scene always did kind of stick out to me as being kind of cheesy. He just did like an all shucks. Like it felt very like yeah. Little Rascals or something. It was yeah. not a good scene. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so, so, so then we're at the funeral though. Friends in sunglasses. <laughs> They're looking good, dude. They were looking good, and, and they're looking he, good as and, hell, dude. Again, they got trench coats on. I mean, Joey looked straight out of the fucking Matrix. Friends um, in sunglasses. Okay, yes. So Joey looks like he's out of the Matrix. Yep. Phoebe, Phoebe with the goddamn. Uh, what a great day. <laughs> really. It's, that's it's, very fun. I at the time I bet that was a new joke. It's now sure. a joke that's been told a billion times, but I I still laughed. I, Phoebe's. I, Lisa Kudrow has the best delivery of jokes. Not the best uh, demeanor when dealing with dog walkers, but... We should honestly stop bringing that up, JP. (laughs) (laughs) No. The only cast of friends who I am interested in having on this podcast is Elliot Gould. All right. I'll give you that. I I don't want any of them. I I don't care about any of them. I just want Elliot Gould. All right. Well, we're going to have to start a campaign to get Elliot Gould in here. Man, he looks so good in this episode. He really did, right? Even in his suit at the funeral, he, he was like it was like a very regular '90s suit, but he was like pulling it off in a way that was like <laughs> unconsciousable. Okay, so here we go with this. Joey has brought what I believe is a small television. I don't know, dude. Antenna. I never got an eye on that thing. I that's it was a thing at that time. They, yeah, they, you could get a tiny like three-inch TV screen on a giant, like, on a giant box with an antenna. And, and he's and got it on, TV. like, an Uzi holster. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, up until this point, is there any reason to believe that Joey cares anything about sports? Well, he is a red-blooded American man, JP. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so are you, and you hate sports. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um... No, but the reason I mention that is when we're later at the wake uh, or, the, or the reception. Uh, they like hockey. Remember, they go to see a hockey yes, game? Yes, they did go to see a hockey game. They You're like right. sports but this canonically, is, but JP. This is this is NFL. <laughs> Not the same. But yes, they are generally sportsos. I'm sorry, what were you saying? So, well, one of, the, one of, one of my other, like, laugh out loud moments was they're, they're at the... Uh, they're at the, 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 the gathering after the funeral. And Joey has the TV. And, and then Elliot Gould realizes he has the TV. And he also, all he wants to do is watch he the sports. He wants to come and see the game. Yeah, that's a funny bit. And I wrote down my line of the episode was, the game ends and his team loses. And he yells out loud, now I'm depressed. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful, again, Elliot Gould owned this episode. Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> Well, now oh, I'm man. depressed. So, 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing I want to bring up, JP. Yeah. And this is this might relate back to the weird characters in this episode that we never see again. Okay? Mm-hmm. We're at the burial. And Ross falls in a grave. Is the rest of friends a fever dream? And did Ross die when he fell in that grave? Dear God. Are you is doing are you doing friends, a Jacob's ladder? <laughs> Ross's nightmare. You're doing a Jacob's ladder? <laughs> Don't say thing? that. That's not our podcast, JP. <laughs> we cannot say that on this podcast. <laughs> do not do this to me, JP. <laughs> yes, I'm I, doing a Jacob's ladder. Okay. I, if I have to give you an honest, off the cuff answer. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it, right? It's it's you know what it is? It's like there there's a uh there's a comic strip in which uh uh the the week long serial for the comic strip Garfield involved maybe Garfield was dead and there's an ongoing theory that Garfield has been dead ever since that 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 series yes, and everything I know else what you has mean. been a fever dream. Um so what we call it on this podcast is a a Garfield's dead scenario. Interesting. Garfield's mm-hmm. dead scenario. I like that. And I do believe that, yes, I think that Ross died and everything else that we see from this point forward is a Garfield's dead scenario. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That makes the most sense. You can't even, you can't even question it. It's objectively the, true. The last episode when him and Rachel are kissing is her. Spoilers. Kissing him on the forehead and pulling the plug out of his hospital bed. Spoilers. Nah, I'm going with a. Uh, I'm going more with a. Uh, she was. She was making love to his dead corpse. The oh time. God, JP. Yeah. God, what is that Faulkner story? Oh man, there's a good one. There's a short story. Kill Bill. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm probably going to cut this out of the episode, JP, but I watched Django last night. Oh, I love that one with Johnny Depp as the lizard. Shut up, JP. <laughs> God damn it. Hold on, hold on real quick. I hope you catch this on, on, on audio. That was me giving myself a high five. That was good, dude. You got me. You got me good. I still haven't watched Django. Django, the Quentin Tarantino movie? I'm actually familiar with what it is, but yes, no, I have not seen it. Wow. In the last seven years, I have a lot of gaps in my high-quality, like, Oscar-worthy movies. Okay. So, so are, you, are you not up-to-date on Tarantino fully? No, I haven't seen it, and yes, I understand it's his best movie. Which one? Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's his best movie, JP. I uh, I certainly, hey, you know, we still got our recommendations coming up, so if you've got something to throw my way, I'm maybe here we should, for um, it. Maybe we should do a Patreon thing where we watch Tarantino's filmography together and I explain to you in detail why it's good. <laughs> wow. Is that where we are? <laughs> no, that would not be good for me to do, JP. I would get in trouble if I started doing that. Yeah, starting with me, you motherfucker. Tell mm-hmm. me why a movie's good. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you, you should watch Tarantino's modern works because, I mean, Django alone, I watched it last night, and it's like, it's 
hard to watch, which I think is good for a movie about slavery, but it also strikes a tone for a slavery movie that I think no other slavery movie strikes where... Twelve Years a Slave? No, no, no. What I'm talking about is all the white people are cartoony and all the black people are constantly looking at each other like, what the fuck is going on here, dude? And I think that that's probably very accurate. Like, it's, it's, it, it, it comments on the uh, craziness of the situation in a very That's interesting way. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in the queue to watch this weekend. I have, totally. Uh, I have some other ones to watch, but I I, I have I, I love Tarantino movies. Yeah. I, I just I've been on. Not even before COVID, the the. the all right. Look, this is the, no. It's the it's the we're friends podcast, and we talk about friends, but also we yeah, talk we can about, talk about anything we want. The last few years of my life have been challenging. Oh, um, I've been scrutinized and exposed, and generally just out there sure in in ways that i was never prepared for mm-hmm. and never expected and it has weighed on my anxiety so much I and I'm, I'm only coming out of it now and and starting to put into place better methods of coping and dealing and just settling back into a reality but it it's really it, it's been really really difficult and really high pressure all the time Mm -hmm. and so for the past few years while this has gone on i can't do high emotion movies oh okay um i sure i get that because because i it's it's too much and when i'm gonna sit down for two hours and watch something yeah i need it doesn't have to be fucking kumbaya but I can't do like I used to love really challenging, dark, sure. emotional dramas, and now I'm like, yeah, no, I'm just I'm gonna watch Aquaman again. That movie was dope. <laughs> and that nice. movie is dope. That movie is dope as shit. Yeah, Aquaman it's, was fun. It's it's really fun, and, and you know what? And that's that's what it is. I if, if if I'm gonna really choose, I'm gonna choose something fun because I haven't been in an emotional place to deal with challenging things. As my leisure. No, totally, dude. I, for, I told you for like last three week. years. I told you last week. I can't do, I can't do stuff with. Um, I can't watch anything where kids are in distress anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get makes, it. It makes total sense. I used to. I I very much used to not get people who said they didn't want to watch something because of some sort of like phobia or something. I was like, it's, it's a movie. Watch it. But I very much get that now. Yeah. No, I I I'm coming out the other side, and that's why I'm like, you know what? Maybe it is time. To fucking watch Django, because I will say Tarantino movies are very fun. They are, but they're also like incredibly violent, and they they often have Shakespearean levels of consequence, and yeah. that that bothers me so much. It's also a really good version of storytelling, but like you get I, wrapped up in it, you mean? And I just like, right. and I'll walk away, and I'll be like, God damn it! If if Bruce Willis, I'm I'm sorry, not Bruce Willis, <laughs> if 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 Travolta hadn't quit and told Samuel L. Jackson, or if they hadn't split 
then Travolta wouldn't have been alone in that bathroom, and therefore Bruce Willis wouldn't have fucking killed him. Oh, he man, would have had backup. Dude. You're going to hate modern Tarantino. <laughs> no, dude. I, I think, no, I, I think... say that because he's messing with history now. Oh, no, no, no. I've seen Inglorious Bastards. Like, oh, okay. You know no, that. No, no, okay. I get, I get and, and there is like a canon to the whole thing now, too. There's a universe, yes. Yes. So, like, I, no, I, I, I love that. And I'll tease this for you, JP. Hit me up. The events of Inglorious Bastards directly influence the events of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I already know. Yeah. I already know, and I already know what the plot, uh, including the ending. Yeah. I know the plot of that movie, but Tarantino movies for me are never about the plot. Sure. It, 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 he, he's an artist, and, and, it, and he gets the best it's out of his It's about the actors. dialogue and the performances. It's, it, the dialogue yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and just like he, he shoots a beautiful shot. He oh, yeah, does. definitely. So, no, it's, I'm, I, I, in fact, I might, Claire will be down for that. I think I might do a double feature this weekend and finally watch Django. And Django also... is very fun. And there's a happy ending, too. Spoilers. I didn't tell you what the ending was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nate, I don't know if you picked this up, but I really like to just say spoilers. this what else do you have to say about this episode ross is dead the rest of friends is ross's nightmare Mm -hmm. um ross on drugs is pretty funny man yes okay it's it's over the top it's like 1950s version of like being drunk but we also do know that ross is is kind of a nerd and maybe would be a little bit of a lightweight when it came to prescription medication that's fair one of my favorite Ross storylines in the future is when Chandler finds out that Ross's parents hate him because Ross told them that he was the one who was smoking weed in his bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. And there's a whole episode where they have to deal with it. It's so funny. Uh, I forgot about that. Spoilers. Um... I wrote here, Elliot fucking Gould, man, the drip on this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen anyone make like a bad 90s suit look awesome before. Oh, yeah. No, that dude is in all the fits in this episode. Um, Yeah. And and I I wanted to talk about Monica's mother, but I think I think you said it very well. I think. I think uh, I think it's important to understand our parents because we are turning into them. And I think the show captures that age where you begin to realize that you are turning into your parents. Yeah. And and also that your parents are only coming out the other end of being you. Right. Like it's 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 and, and I think that when I was you know when I was a teenager watching the show I didn't get that shit at all and sure, now I'm yes, fucking yeah. 40 years old and I'm seeing it and I'm like oh yeah yeah that middle section like you enter it when you're about 25 and you don't get out of it until you're about 65 it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just one big fucking middle section yeah fuck the middle section I mean yeah fuck it but also doing some cool shit JP did you see the cartoon of John Hodgman on the Doughboys post today 
I did not. Did it you see that I looks just like you? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It looks great. Okay, you got to send me that shit. John <laughs> yeah, Hodgman yeah. liked a tweet that I did today really? about how the new episode that he's on, he does a brief, accurate, and very dismissive like history of the mythos of the entire podcast <laughs> yes 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 including the line and uh nick i don't know he's like a writer or something he's anyway like a writer or something. <laughs> he was so good he nailed everything he nailed everything he was like and uh and my mitch, favorite my favorite mitch, was mitch self-sabotages his career when he takes <laughs> six to eight weeks back home in quincy <laughs> it was beautiful he goes back home to sabotage his acting career yes it was <laughs> It was it was beautiful. So I just posted about that and uh, and and yeah, no, John Hodgman was gave me the like and I that's was that's really, awesome, dude. That's great, cool. Hey. I tweeted recently. I think I have the most Doughboys guest likes on Doughboys posts. Okay, I I'm willing to compare numbers because I got nobody else's data here, but all I'm saying is I've got like. I've got like 16, I think. That's badass, dude. Yeah. I I almost always follow the guest. And, oh, yeah. Same. And then and then like I very often will like I have I have a, a back and forth with one of their former guests where like she follows me now and at like we'll like we'll oh, get who? into like conversations. Who's that? Uh Haley Mancini. Oh, cool. Um what do what do I know her from? I I know who you're talking about. She's a voice actress on Powerpuff Girls. Oh, that's cool. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to think. She also has writing credits up in here. But she's primarily a voice actress. And sure. And she just has a good Twitter feed. But, like, it's just, it's like, I just followed you because you were on Doughboys. And then I'm posting about Black Lives Matter. And she's like, <laughs> hell yeah. Me nice. too. Like, oh, that's awesome. I, um, I posted once after Dan Gore was on their episode... I posted that Dan Gore sounds exactly like the voice in my head that constantly tells me to kill myself. Oh, no. <laughs> but oh, I meant it no. in a good way. <laughs> there's, there's no good way to spit on that. No, he commented back and he was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Nate. Um, oh, uh, Danny Fernandez liked my close-up picture of... Weiger's gigantic corn dog. Okay, that's awesome. Danny Fernandez was really funny. She was a great guest. I think obviously, if we're talking about Doughboys comments, I can't, I can't pass up my most famous Doughboys comment: the street shark photo, commenting to Gabrus and Susser and Mitch and Weiger. They're just in the same exact pose as all four street sharks. I think I got like. <laughs> 80, 85 likes on that Doughboys oh, comment is like the most like thing I've ever gotten on Twitter. Wagger liked sir. it. Gabrus liked it. Susser liked it. Crossing off lots of boxes that day. But the only the only direction I had with Wagger was one time I <laughs> made fun of Del Taco. <laughs> his response was he muted. You. <laughs> That's funny. Um, JP, should we do like recommendations? Well, okay, let's get... Are, are, are we done with the episode? Are we done with the broader issue? Because I know you wanted to talk about it more. 
I think I made my point about the issue. I think I think that there's a good way to look at it. I think that there's obviously a bad way to look at it, um, which probably outweighs the good way, ultimately. Is there anything else about the episode that you want to talk about? Any scenes that I forgot? No, and I, I think your take there is really important, and I think you should reiterate that. that yeah. Like, there's, there, there is... There's absolutely, like, we can talk about the ways in which... At the time, it was progressive, and at the time, like, it was just jokes, and it was certainly way less hateful than than what was going on in the world as a norm. It was pushing a new narrative. I I think that that is very important. I still will tell you, at the end of the day, as much as I can, and I don't even have to stretch to give them credit for what they did. But at the end of the day, this this episode still left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, and I get that, too, because I was right there with you. I was like, man, are we going to have to, like, completely cancel Friends now? <laughs> no, just Joey. Joey's canceled. Joey's always canceled. canceled. Guys, Watching Joey's a TV canceled. at the friggin' funeral, dude. Who does that? What a misogynist. <sighs> <laughs> Nate, can I ask you something? Yeah. Did you listen to the song Claire recommended? I did. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. Um, I, I haven't listened to the rest of that album, but I'm probably going to because I liked it. It's All right. very, um, it's like um, Tame Impala meets Yola Tango. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, it's I, very folksy, but very electronic in the same at the same time. So I, I contacted Claire. I sent her a telegram. And uh, she got back to me with Pony Express, and what she said was, I was so excited for that album to come out that that subsequent Friday. Oh, cool, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awful. The album is awful? She said that that song is the only good song. It's not worth a listen. (laughs) I hate when that happens. (laughs) Right? But I wanted to make sure uh, uh, Claire sends her love and best wishes, and um, no, don't listen. Don't listen to the whole album. Tell Claire... That I send my love and my blessings, and that my blessings rain down her from on her from above, and that my love really just pours forth, and and just love and blessings, and really just blessings beyond like her. So many pink condoms raining down Jesus from Christ, a closet. JP. <laughs> Trying to do a Hollywood handbook bit here. What up? What up? Um, you guys so, watched uh, Excision. So. I watched it without Claire. You watched Excision, yes. Um, I, I, so we were we were pushing on Deadline. And, yeah, no worries. And also, uh, you gave us some warnings about that movie. <laughs> now, I'll tell you this. Based on your warnings, I think that you may be more squeamish than me. I am. Okay? And I, 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 I think the things that may have bothered you about that movie yep. were the necrophilia and the... <laughs> The the dangling fetus and maybe the chunky menstrual fluid that's throughout the movie. Menstrual blood is a theme in this movie. It is. From the very first scene of the movie. It's a costume. It it's a setting. It's a, it's a character in this movie. Wow. So, but I will say this. This movie was fucking brilliant yeah um so if you haven't seen excision and i won't i won't spoil anything about it but the movie 
number one has the most absurd cast you have ever seen in a movie, including Tracy Lords. Do it. Say former it. porn star Tracy Lords. Yep. John fucking Waters. Yep. Um, I'm trying. Oh, 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 Ariel Winter. Yep. Uh, Young Ariel Winter. Um, um, I'm trying. I'm like blanking. Like the, every single scene. Um, the who's movie. the 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 motherfucker from uh uh shit? Uh, his name's like Martin. He looks like a principal. Hmm. Hold on, I'm going to tell you his name, and you're going to be like, that, that motherfucker does look like a principal. I remember everyone in this movie, and I'm not looking uh, at it. Ray up. Wise. Oh, you talking about that motherfucker from, uh, I, I mean, most importantly, from Twin Peaks. Yes. But also from a I am not a bunch Twin Peaks fan. other things. Uh, I also forgot Malcolm fucking McDowell is in this movie. Yep. The cast, the cast is insane. I, I hope you're getting it. Is. And the lead, the lead actress is Annalyn McCord. And yep. I had only seen her in two things previously, and that was she was a sex pot in uh, Nip Tuck. Yep. And then she was a sex pot in the reboot of 90210. Yep. yep. Holy crap. She's amazing in this movie. And also, any made-up looking pretty things that they've done to her to make her a star, they flush all of it down the toilet. I'd say they actively start to make her look like a terrifying person. Her, <laughs> her like... acne could not be real, but also looks really real. Yeah, dude. This, and like this, this movie is a comedy. Powerhouse it, performance. It, it, she's amazing. It's a comedy. It's a horror movie. And it's got some real fucking twists and turns, some things that she says and does in this movie where you will just drop your jaw. Yep. Highly recommend. Um, get over it. It's just fucking blood. Yes. Um, yes, and that's that's actually what I wanted to bring up, JP, is that I think I watched this probably like five or six years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine... My comedy tastes are were a little less developed back then, okay? And I think that I probably fell into one of the categories of guys who who may have been grossed out by periods. Okay? And like like the guy from um Friday Night Lights in this movie who was sure, very yes. grossed out by periods. Yes, just just a young man's brain. In, in, in a very real sense, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think I avoided recommending this to people for a while because while I enjoyed it and I understood, probably because I was a fan of comedy and I, I get the point of a woman comic making a man feel uncomfortable with a period joke, very funny to me. I get that. But that's what this movie is. Like, it's it's confronting something that apparently society finds horrific and like I, I tweeted about it last night it's 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 a movie that begs the question why don't more young women turn into violent sociopaths <laughs> <laughs> like, i still i i watched it yesterday and it's still like i'm still processing this movie i think yeah. there, it, there's a lot to unfold with this movie so i i, I and also jp important mm-hmm. i guarantee this movie costs like one million dollars like so cheap 
I, they honestly they blew it all on the choreography and artistic scenes. The the scenes where she's like a death goddess. Yes. You're talking about yes. right again. We don't want to spoil it for our fans. Everyone, give it a chance. It, it's 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 a work of art. It really is. I'm I'm very impressed. And Nate is two for two with his recommendations. I have loved Ooh. both of them. Um, Nate, let me ask you. How did you like watching a Liverpool soccer game? You know, dude, honestly, it was pretty fun. I didn't watch a lot of it, and I feel bad about that because I was fixing my washing machine. Um, But it was fun the way that um, when I watch hockey, I have more fun watching that because I played lacrosse, and it's like the same thing, and I can understand the game. Shut the front door. What what position did you play? Uh, For lacrosse? Uh, mid and defender. Okay, I was just pure defender. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. You nice. Were, yeah, I, I know you were a defender. Um, state championship lacrosse team. Holy high school. shit, dude. <laughs> I had very little to do with making it a state championship. Doesn't matter, you're on the team. <laughs> I was you still on get the ring. Motherfucker. Um, and I also played soccer. So when I watch the soccer game, I, I, can, I can very much understand what's going on. And I found it very interesting. I, I have always said that, that hockey and soccer are the most comparable sports. I think that they sure. really follow the same trajectory in a lot of ways. And, I, I you know, I forced it on you, and I tried very hard. And, and if anybody wants the primer that I gave Nate about who the players are and why each of them is a really interesting No, that was great, dude. There's a story to that team. Uh, yeah. And, and subsequently, Liverpool has now been... They have closed it. They are the champions of the English Premier League. Um, Congratulations, Liverpool! It's it's awesome, and it's it's it, they haven't won a championship in in England in thirty years. So it was a really wonderful story. But Nate, I really appreciate you doing that because this was, as I said, there's two types of recommendations. This was not a here's a thing that it reminded me of you, and I think you'll like. This was definitely a here's a thing I want you to watch because sure. I love it. So just thank you for doing that. No, no problem, dude. I had fun doing it. I did. Someday when there isn't a quarantine and we can actually get together, you will come out to visit. And during your visit, we will we will watch a game together and I will make you my wings and we'll drink yeah, some dude, that, loggers. That's that sounds fun. Real um, way to do it. But I think ultimately when we go to England during the friend season, when they go to England to do our live shows, we could probably see a game while we're there, right? I really can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, I don't think England's letting us in right now, nor is anyone else in Europe. Yeah. Ah, Jimachi. We're a leper colony. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Nate, I want to I wanna talk about my recommendation this week. Sure. Okay. Now, we've talked about it could be a song, it could be a movie, it could be a recipe, which I'm still, I had, I was almost going to do a recipe at you, but. And you know what else, JP? I was thinking, I was thinking after last week and you recommended Reverse Sear, but I had already done it. It it shouldn't matter if either one of us has already done it, because I think we're going to, we're going to come across a lot of crossover. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's like even if we've both seen the movie, maybe we watch the movie together and text each other or something like that. Well, and I think I think part of it too is like if it's a recipe, like if it's a movie, we can just recommend and tell people how to watch it. If it's a yep. recipe, we could put in the notes a link to the recipe. Oh sure. And then yeah, like that's cool. 
everyone could try it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I like the idea of like interacting with our audience in that way. Absolutely. So, but here's what I got for you this week. Now, I was born in 1980, so I was just a little kid when this TV show came out, and I watched it for years, and it is now rebooted, brand new episodes on Netflix, and I got to give a shout out to my friend Blair, aka Skeleton Blood. Oh, what's up, Skeleton Blood? Um, Skelly recommended the new version of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh. Have you ever watched Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah, I've watched Unsolved Mysteries, JP. I went to a sleepover. <laughs> well, motherfucker. <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries is back. And I will tell yeah, you. Yeah, I saw that. I, so so we started the first episode and then they cut to the like the the opening theme song and all they did was fucking remixed the original theme song but they somehow made it even spookier and wow. I I was just like Claire, you don't understand. This is so good. Um, just checking around for for goblins or I mean, whatever it, you say all the time. Okay, okay. It's it's <laughs> boogans and spookums and goblins. So you gotta watch out for them. Check under your bed at night, ladies and gentlemen. Too scary, dude. It's too spooky for me. But no, no, no. The, the, we watched the first two episodes, and dude, it's good. Oh, it's important, that, and I want you to fuck with it. I want you just just watch an episode or two, and we'll talk about it next week. I want to hear what you think about these mysteries that so far have not been solved. Do you have a? I'm I'm sure I'm gonna get hooked on it, but do you have a specific episode you want me to start? I with? actually fell in love with the first episode because it takes okay. place in Baltimore. Ah, little note for you: if you want to pronounce it the way that we do in Baltimore, it's actually pronounced Baltimore. 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 Like Voldemort. Not like Voldemort. Baltimore. Okay? <laughs> Take the T, turn it into a D. Baltimore. Baltimore. Like Voldemort. I hate you so much. <laughs> I don't hate you at all, buddy. No, but yeah, that's how you pronounce it. I, I, I've, been, I've been schooling the Texans out here on how to pronounce things properly. It's water. You, you turn on the tap and you get the water. JP, you're never going to change their minds on that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm out here to proselytize, um, okay? Do you have a cowboy hat? I don't. I, I And I think it's the lowest on my list. I think if I'm really going to go Texan, the first thing I'm getting are some black cowboy boots because they look good in jeans. Yeah, they look good in dude. Jeans. All right? I've been thinking about getting some boots, too. And then the next thing I would get is a goddamn oversized belt buckle because that shit's yep. awesome. Can I make another recommendation? Yes, sir. I have a very cool uh, pearl snap shirt with some uh, designs on the shoulders and on the back. And uh, I believe it's from uh, Howler Brothers Clothing Company. And I'm gonna, I, I want to buy you one because I want us to have matching pearl snap Brother, send it my way. I will tell you, yeah. I love pearl snap shirts. Yeah. I legitimately yeah, love them. Good. So, yeah. yeah. We're going to create our own uh, Friendsman aesthetic. Yeah, um, cowboy acapella group. I think was a really, really good idea that we oh kind of need to. Not, I I don't know why I even talked to you. <laughs> no, I'm being dead serious, dude. I'm not making fun of you. I want to make an acapella we group. Can't do a two-man acapella group. That's just but Simon what... and Garfunkel, and they were an acapella. <laughs> I'll play. 
I'll play that little hand harp thing. Gibson, <laughs> like, Paul Simon. Peter Palmer. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Nate. Okay, my, my recommendation? Hit me up. Okay. Um, I, I feel like you might have seen this movie. Have you seen Goon? Are we talking about the one with the guy from... Uh, uh... John William Scott. <gasps> you posted the image, and it looks like it's Sean William Scott, and then... Um... Lev Schreiber. That's who it is, Lev Schreiber. Okay. Okay. Yes, I will. I, I I am so excited. Why do you love this movie, Nate? Okay, JP. I love this movie because I'm not I'm not really a hockey fan. Um, I, I like watching the game, but I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a fan. And this is a movie based on a true story about a um, man recruited to a hockey team to simply fight. Get in fights with people. It's a known quantity. I don't know if you've yes. ever seen Slapshot. I, I haven't seen Slapshot. <laughs> I, I should, probably, because I know it's a good movie. Um, but goon is a term for a hockey player that is there to rough people up, essentially. An right? enforcer. An enforcer, yeah. exactly. Okay, so our boy Stifler, okay, Sean William Scott... <laughs> Listen to what I'm saying, Jake. I'm okay? listening, Listen Nate. I'm sorry. Stifler might be one of the finest actors of our generation. And I am being 100% serious. This movie will make you feel things. Sean William Scott will make you feel things because he plays a very soft-spoken, very stupid man who just kind of wants to be a part of something. Um... He's also in another movie called Bloodline that's a horror movie that's like an actually good version of what Dexter was trying to be, and he's fantastic in that, too. All right, I'm adding that um, to the list. Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend that, too. But anyway, Goon, it's a good hockey movie. It's a good boxing movie. This was a fucking great boxing movie. It's a good romantic comedy. It's a good dude movie. They say gross, dirty things, JP. It's very funny. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and, and yeah, it'd be great to watch with Claire if she has time. She doesn't have she to. Will. No we worries. Have a, we, have a, we have a weekend coming up. So. And I know there's a sequel, too, but I actually haven't seen that one. I'm not sure how good it is. Well, no, I'm really looking forward to watching this, dude. It, it pumped me up when I watched it last night. It was so funny. Well, we got our recommendations. We got our homework for the weekend. Um, Nate. I really enjoyed doing this tonight. Yeah, this is always so much fun, dude. All right, well. Especially when it's hey, just you and me. Hey, you're still my best friend. <laughs> JP, you are my best friend. Um, I love you in ways that I'm, I'm having trouble putting into words. You know, I keep trying to tell people why I really, really get along with you. And... <laughs>